stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. 33 and a big night last night in Korea as the conversations happened. Um, what an amazing story that North Korea went to the demilitarized zone, which I've never been to the demilitarized zone, but I imagine the demilitarized zone kind of being like the principal's office. When you walk in, you can feel the tension. <laughs> you can feel the, this is not going to go well. Imagine sitting there with your hand on your gun all day, every day. Just kind of, you know, sitting there staring at the other guy. Oppositional as it gets. And overnight tonight, overnight last night, uh, it was a big step. North and South Korea coming together, having conversations. Are they going to be one country? Is it ever going to get there? Are we way too uh, far ahead of ourselves? Jeff Zempel, you're a Pia, uh, boy, you're a bureau chief. Why is that hard to say, Jeff? It's not. <laughs> Europe Bureau Chief, Global News. Thanks for joining us in the program. What just happened? Yeah, a little bit of history, uh, Zach, to be sure. Um, you know, worth remembering that, uh, you know, it's hard to make history in this conflict now that it's been frozen effectively for 65 years, dating back to the Korean War. Uh, but for the first time ever, the North Korean leader set foot on the southern side, Kim Jong-un stepped over the border, over that demarcation line, that concrete slab, and on to the southern side, he shook hands and actually held hands for quite some time with his South Korean counterpart, President Moon. And the two of them then walked a little bit on the southern side and then holding hands, they walked back to the northern side as people applauded all around them, making history. I mean, this has never happened before. And it was one of many symbolic gestures that we saw in this inter-Korean summit, just the third Korean summit, the third time that we have seen the leaders from both countries meet in this capacity to talk about creating peace for the Korean Peninsula. Uh, as I say, it was rich with symbolism among the list of events. We saw the two men, the two leaders, with shovels digging up the soil and planting a tree using soil and water from both sides of the border. They cut a cake uh, with, that had a picture of the uh, uni unified Korean map on top of the cake. Um, they basically exchanged vows, if you like, both sides committing to a denuclearized Korean peninsula, so they are pledging to remove all the nuclear weapons and that they want to pursue talks with the United States to finally declare an official end to the Korean War after all of these years. So huge symbols, huge sweeping statements, not a lot of details though. The North didn't specify exactly what they want to receive in return for denuclearization, but if nothing else, this summit certainly set the tones act for the meeting that everyone is watching for now, the expected meeting between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump, and that is expected to happen potentially as early as late May, possibly June, but it is on the cards and that one will also be history making if it does happen because it will be the first time that a sitting U.S. president has ever sat down with the leader of North Korea. 
Well, we take a little look at this. I wanted to just address one text message that just came in at nine seven four eight two five five. Amadeep said um, Unified Korea would become a powerful nuclear power in the Pacific, which is, I suppose, true, except for the fact that that is one of the caveats to all of this. I think everyone's talking about if we're going to do this, then you know we're, this is not going to be an arm wrestling match. That, that is what they said specifically. At least off the, I realize we're looking way cart horse thing here, but that is one of the big topics even today, isn't it? Well, I mean, Donald Trump has been holding the line in that if, you know, if we are going to talk about the loosening of economic sanctions against North Korea, for example, if we are going to have serious peace talks, that uh, basically his red line is that the North Koreans would have to agree to denuclearization. So, in other words, getting rid of all of their nuclear weapons. And, you know, this is where we have kind of longtime observers of the Korean conflict expressing caution because you know Kim Jong-un just got his nuclear arsenal I mean the, you know remember all the tests that we saw this time last year I mean really right up until the new year and the Olympic Games when suddenly Kim Jong-un softened his tone significantly wanted to join the Olympics and started talking about potentially uh, erasing his nuclear arsenal but I think there's a lot of skepticism about wh whether he would in fact be willing to do that um, but I mean if Donald Trump you know gets his way, we're not talking about a nuclear Korean peninsula at all. I mean, theoretically, you know, Donald Trump will go into that summit in a month or so, demanding that North Korea commit to getting rid of all of its nuclear arsenal, whether that is, you know, phased in over a period of time. We've seen some reports suggesting that the Donald Trump's deal would, would see North Korea committing to get rid of its nuclear arsenal by the end of Donald Trump's presidential term. But it's worth stressing again in all of this that, you know, we've seen this movie before, that there have been two previous Korean summits where we heard, particularly the last one where the, the, the North Koreans committed to getting to stopping their nuclear development. Same promises made, similar promises broken, and so a lot of people are worried that history might repeat itself again this time. Here in the newsroom, we are talking about this, and uh, thanks to Patrick and John for talking about uh, the different opinions and perspectives. I like this. Are we talking Berlin Wall coming down? Or are we talking Gorbachev, Reagan, and Iceland? Are we even there yet, or am I too excited? Well, I, I think, you know, it's even a few months ago, I think everyone would have said that we were getting way too far ahead of ourselves. But honestly, you know, we've interviewed so many different former ambassadors to North Korea, experts on the Korean Peninsula, who, you know, early January were saying, you know, we don't even think about it. I mean, there's almost no chance that this is going to happen. You talk to those same analysts today, just a few months later, and a lot of them are sounding, you know, com completely different in their tone. They are genuinely optimistic about the direction that this is heading just because you know we've never seen this level of diplomacy with the north before because we've never seen the north korean dictator set foot on the southern soil we've never had a sitting u.s president come and sit down at the same table with a North Korean dictator before. So all of this is uncharted territory, which is, I think, raising hopes for, as you say, a potential Berlin Wall-type moment. The problem is is that it's it's difficult at this point to, to, to see, you know, the devil's in the details, of course. We're seeing all these great historic gestures and statements, but, you know, what will happen when Donald Trump actually sits down at, at a table with Kim Jong-un, assuming that does that summit does take place? Where is the path to peace? I mean, will, will 
Kim Jong-un really be willing to talk about denuclearization? Will he, you know, what will be the prerequisites to that? I mean, the speculation is that Kim Jong-un might want the American military to leave the South, uh, would certainly be wanting the Americans and their allies to reduce the economic sanctions, which by many accounts have absolutely crippled the North Korean economy. So there are a, a lot of big question marks still, Zach, I think, between, you know, North Korea's Berlin Wall moment and where we are right now. But for the first time, I think, you know, we are talking about hope here for the first time in a long time. And it's worth remembering, you know, you see those pictures of Kim Jong-un smiling ear to ear with his South Korean counterpart today. And it's worth remembering that it was less than a year ago that Kim Jong-un threatened to turn the South Korean capital into a sea of fire. So this, you know, light speed diplomacy is happening faster than we can even keep track, I think. And so it makes it that much more difficult to predict where things might go from here. Jeff Semple, Europe Bureau Chief. Jeff, I'm going to practice that a million times over. I don't know why I can't get it right. Europe Bureau Chief, Global News. Thank you, Jeff, for your insight and your expertise. I appreciate it. It's a big business card. Thanks, <laughs> I. What could go wrong? I mean, theory. think about this for a second. Kim Jong-un, Donald Trump alone in a room. What could go wrong? <laughs> Are we too far ahead of ourselves? Is this a big deal? I think this is an absolute big deal. But I'm going to ask you for your input. You teach me about this. I'm not an international politics guy. Is this real? Is this Donald Trump? Is this the Olympics? Is this Dennis Rodman, maybe? Um, oh, help us if it is. Um, or is this, I don't actually have nuclear weapons. This is a lot harder than I thought it was. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.